Hey guys, welcome back to Fiction Fixation. We're your hosts. I'm Courtney. And I'm Rose. And this week we are going to be discussing the 2007 movie Georgia Rule, starring Lindsay Lohan, Jane Fonda, and Felicity Huffman. Okay, so this is 2007, Lindsay Lohan. Do you remember what was happening in 2007 with Lindsay Lohan? Not particularly. I graduated from high school in 2007 and I started college in 2007. I was pretty drunk the second half of 2007, most of it. So I don't remember. 2007 was the year that Britney Spears had her infamous Mm -hmm. mental breakdown. And during this time, Lindsay Lohan was also, sadly, she was struggling with like addiction and all of these crazy things happening. I feel like her mental breakdown was a little overshadowed by Britney's. Yeah, but I do remember there was a lot of tabloid stories about this movie because this was Lindsay Lohan's first major production in the midst of all the drama that she was going through. So I never even heard of this movie until I saw it on TikTok a couple months ago. I don't know if you felt this way, but I thought her acting kind of sucked, especially in the beginning of the movie. I felt like there were scenes where I'm like... You're not even trying. In the beginning of the movie, Lindsay Lohan just seemed like she was reciting her lines. It gave the vibes of like she never read the script until like 15 minutes before the scene. The movie starts with Lily, played by Felicity Huffman, Mm -hmm. and Rachel, played by Lindsay Lohan, are traveling from California to Idaho to go to the grandmother's house, who's played by Jane Fonda, Mm -hmm. Georgia. Georgia's the grandma. Right off the bat, we know that Rachel is a rebellious teenage girl because Rachel was like doing drugs and staying out Mm -hmm. all night and disappearing for days. Crashing cars. Yeah. In the ninth grade, when she was in the ninth grade, she was doing drugs. And now she's Mm -hmm. supposed to go off to college. And also Lily, the mom, tells us that Rachel is kind of this um, habitual liar that she just lies Mm -hmm. for fun. It is this classic tale of just the completely overwhelmed parent. It seems like mom is taking Rachel to grandma's house to like straighten her up. Mm-hmm. You know, it, like it's a punishment. Like you didn't listen and now you have to go stay with grandma for the summer. Which honestly, if my grandma was Jane Fonda, sign me up. Please take me. My grandma was more like Umbridge from Harry Potter. So I had one grandmother that was... More like Umbridge from Harry Potter. And then my other grandmother was more like a Polish Medea. Mm, okay. That didn't like children. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, children are pretty annoying. So I don't blame grandma. That's fair. <laughs> um, but Rachel and her mother get in a fight on the way. And Rachel's mother leaves her on this road. I couldn't believe that Rachel's mom just left her in the middle of this road. It's almost like Rachel's mother has never seen an episode of Dateline. You know what? Maybe she's hoping for an episode of Dateline. (laughs) But you know who probably has seen an episode of Dateline? (laughs) This young teenage boy who's driving by and catches Rachel Mm -hmm. lying on the side of the road. And he thinks, as I would think, that she's a dead body. He does. He pulls over and he thinks she's a dead body and he kind of gently shakes her. Sir, sir. And the only way that Harlan can think to check her pulse is to put his hand on her left boob. There's a lot of other ways to check. He's feeling for a heartbeat, (laughs) like the neck, the wrist. There's a lot of other places you could have gone for. But I think his his intentions were pure. Well, we later find out he is a Mormon. 
Yes. So probably wasn't trying to cop a feel. No, I don't think so. So then this other guy pulls up, this older man pulls up in a convertible. He's played by Dermot Mulroney. Okay. He is daddy to me, okay? <laughs> Listen, Dermot Mulroney is hot. He definitely, like you said, gives off hella daddy vibes. But Dermot Mulroney plays Dr. Simon Ward. He pulls over and she just gets in his car. She doesn't know this guy. She doesn't know who he is. It turns out he's the veterinarian at her grandmother's town, but she doesn't know this. And also it turns out he's a really nice guy. But again, she doesn't know this. And Rachel gets into this stranger's car and Uh then puts her legs up on his dashboard and lets her dress like right up her thigh, actively trying to seduce this man. He's just like, the hell are you doing, girl? Yeah, he's like, put your leg down and you're going to get it ripped off by a passing car, which is what I always think when people hang their extremities from a car. I just keep seeing, wasn't there like a movie where that happens? Because it scarred me forever. It was probably a Final Destination movie. Probably. Those are the ones. Those are the reason we're in therapy. He says something about how like, you don't know anything about me. Rachel says, I do. She goes, I hiked my dress up and spread my legs and you didn't look once. You're queer. Yeah. She tells him, you must be gay because you're not objectifying me. But do you know also there are men that are very uncomfortable by women who are very overtly sexual? Uh I think honestly, though, I think like a lot of men are. A lot of men are terrified of sexual women. I think a lot of men are terrified of sexual women. And I think that... A lot of men who are insecure mm-hmm. get eas- get more easily spooked by overly sexual women because they're like, you're objectifying yourself and now I feel like you're taking something away from me. Yes. <laughs> you took away my shtick. Okay, so it just so happens that Simon brought her to the to the town where she needed to be. How small is this town? There is one road and both people that drove down this road were both going to this town and live in this town. Mm -hmm. So those are the vibes, you know? Definitely the vibes. Rachel's mom had already gotten to grandmother's house already. Yeah. We get a sneak peek of the dynamic between mom and grandma. Mom and grandma have a very tense relationship. There's a lot of passive aggressive comments from the mom. Mm -hmm. And the grandma is like, okay, you're dumping your daughter here with me. Like, can you act a little grateful that I'm taking her? Well, mom didn't even tell grandma that she was leaving. Grandma thought it was going to be like a mother, daughter, granddaughter summer. And mom's like, oh, no, I'm not staying. I'm going back with my husband in San Francisco. But Rachel will be staying. She's dumping her unruly daughter on her grandma, which I want to say, side note, Courtney, Jane Fonda looks fantastic in this movie. Listen, I want to look like Jane Fonda when I'm Jane Fonda's age. If I could look like Jane Fonda right now, I would be fine. <laughs> like the way she looks in this movie, because she's very right. clearly an older woman, but she looks so beautiful. She's not trying to look like she's 22. And that's what I love. I love people uh-huh who embrace their age and look beautiful at their age. Like you can be a gorgeous 65-year-old woman without trying to look like you're 30. Well, one thing, I will be dyeing my hair until hair dye ceases to exist. (laughs) Yes. So 
like the gray in my hair now. It needs to go. So it will continue to go. How old are you? 34. Okay. I, how old am I? I'm like 37, right? Mm-hmm. If you guys are surprised by how old we are, we are surprised by how old we are. Yeah. Sometimes I'm still like 23. <laughs> 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 I gag when I have to start my age with dirt. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, by the time Rachel gets to her grandmother's house, her mom is leaving. And Rachel's like, oh, yeah, that's just like you. Dump me and go. So much tension, so much passive aggressiveness. There's something about parents in general, but very specifically moms, that just make us regress to our teenage years. There definitely is. I've gotten a lot better with my own mother. I mean, I do get the shakes after I get off the phone with her. You get the shakes. Um, <laughs> well, uh, like when is, I have is to... Your, is your hand twitching like you're about to backhand someone? <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I open my mouth and my mother comes out yeah. when I'm talking to my mother. Right. Yeah, I've gotten really good with like, mom, enough. Right. But then I get off the phone and I'm like, <sighs> parents are so triggering. They're so triggering because no interaction with your parent is a standalone interaction. Every uh-uh. interaction with your parents is a nice little package, like little Amazon package that's full of all these things from childhood and how they never and they always. And, you know, it's it's always a whole thing. And then your parents, I tried my best. Mm -hmm. I did what I thought I had to do. I did what I thought was best. I believe it. I feel like 90% of our parents did what they thought was best. Mm -hmm. You know, because if you're like back in the 90s, like if you're not beating your children, you're not parenting. Okay. And kids did not have feelings. Kids did not have opinions. If you had a kid who had an opinion and asserted their feelings and their boundaries, like you had a bad kid. Yeah. Your kid backtalked. Yeah. Your kid was, you know, unruly, you know, and it's one of those things where they're like, don't give your kid any leeway. You know, Mm -hmm. if you give them an inch, they will take a mile. Mm -hmm. So if curfew is eight o'clock and they come home at 801, get the belt. (laughs) Um, It doesn't, it doesn't matter that like the clocks on their watch were just a little bit different. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Oh my God. I didn't even think about the fact that back then, even though there were digital clocks, like you had to set them yourself. Mm -hmm. They weren't like connected automatically to the time zone. Yeah, no. So like it, it was possible for like your clock at home to say 802, but the clock on their watch to say eight o'clock. Yeah. If your curfew was eight, your curfew was actually 755, you know, just to be safe. Yes. You could send your kids to bed without dinner in the 90s. Dude, I tried sending my kid to his room and he told me he had rights. And I was like, <laughs> I was like what? <laughs> Every time I send my daughter to her room, she just recharges and then comes back at us. She she does. She goes, she gets her argument straight in her head and then she comes back for more. Like, and another thing. That's hilarious. When Rachel gets to her grandmother's house, like we said, her mom is leaving and Georgia's like, all right, well, dinner is at this time. Breakfast is at this time. I got you a summer job. And Rachel tries her attitude with her grandmother. She's like, I'm not working. I'm not doing that. And grandma's like, oh, no, you will be. Grandma says, if you live under this roof, you work. And that's the end of it. 
Uh, yeah, girl, she's like, what, 17 years old? Get your, like, what the hell are you doing? You're on summer break. Get a job. Like, are you kidding me? And grandma's not yelling. Grandma's not, grandma's cool, calm, and collected, okay? And whenever she makes a declaration, she always says, it's Georgia rule. It's a Georgia rule. We can't forget to mention also that grandma, again, Georgia is grandma's name, Grandma hasn't seen Rachel in years, probably since Rachel yeah. was like, what, like seven or eight? Yeah. So they're not close. Mom doesn't even seem to like the grandmother. Yeah. And so like, I don't know, are, are you hoping that she gets tired of your daughter and tosses her off a bridge? Like, you don't like, <laughs> you don't like your mother. Why are you dropping off your daughter with her? Do you think that the mom thought, okay, my daughter thinks I'm bad she thinks i'm strict i'm gonna take her to the freaking boot camp of life you know what that could be it but you know what i feel like the grandmother didn't even seem that strict i feel like the grandmother wasn't that strict she's like breakfast is at this time lunch is at this time dinner is at this time curfew is this time help around the house like her grandmother didn't seem very strict at all she just had reasonable expectations and i honestly I would almost guarantee that mom was just like Rachel when she right. was a teenager. Right. Yeah, that's true. The job that grandma got for Rachel just mm -hmm. happens to be at the vet's office ran by the guy that drove Rachel into town. Yeah. Simon is the vet in town, but he also sees people. I mean, does this town not have a doctor and people have to go to the vet or does or do they go there? Maybe it's like people without insurance go there. Honestly, it could be both. Mm -hmm. I think there's a like there's a 50 percent likelihood of either. So usually if you have a vet who's illegally treating people, they're doing it for extra money. This doctor guy, Simon, he's not doing it for money. Most of his patients aren't even paying him. Yeah, even his veterinary patients aren't paying him half the time. Yeah, they have like stacks of bills that they don't pay. And he's just such mm -hmm. a nice guy that he keeps seeing them. When Rachel asks grandma about Simon, she's like, so is he gay? He's gay, right? Mm -hmm. Come to find out Simon is not gay. Simon lost his son and his wife. Yeah, he lost them two years ago and still has not moved on, mm -hmm. which I say, if I die, I want a picture of me on your desk forever. <laughs> like, I would want my husband to be happy. I'm going to haunt them. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to make it easy. Yeah. But um, I would want him to persevere and be happy. Yeah. Um, but I want him to, gr to grieve for a little while, you know? Yeah. I think two years is an adequate amount of time to grieve. Like if I were to die, like when I was like, if I was like 50, 60, mm -hmm. you know, by all means, like move on. Like you don't have a whole lot of time left either. So. Right. Yeah. That's a good point. If you're a lot older, you get to grieve for a short amount of time. Like if you're 90 years old and your husband dies, you can't afford to grieve for five years. Like you honey, can remarry the next day. You can. <laughs> yes, you can remarry the next day. Those are the rules. Like we don't make the mm -hmm. rules. No, we don't. Um, but like if we were to have been married when we were like 20 and then I died a year later, mm -hmm. you have to wait at least until you're like 25, yeah, 27. Absolutely. To think about moving on. Yeah. You know? Love it. Like... We need to put this in a handbook. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll put it on the website. <laughs> we'll write a handbook. So yeah, so Simon lost his wife and his son in a car accident. And so uh -huh. um, the next day when Rachel sees him out in town, they're like having lunch or something. It's at, a 4th of July picnic. Okay. It's a 4th of July picnic. Rachel 
tell Simon pretty much like, oh, you you have this sob story that your wife and your son died in a car accident. Like, boohoo, get over it. Yeah. And then she just drops this huge bomb on him about how she was 12 when her stepdad started molesting her. And she says it nonchalantly. And she says, we all have sad stories and we just we have to move on. And but she doesn't Mm -hmm. say it in a wise way. She kind of says it in this very disturbing kind of. Well, Simon goes and tells Georgia. Yeah. Hey, I don't know if you knew about this, but, you know, this is going on. And then Simon tells Rachel that he told Georgia and she's like, why would you do that? She's like, I lie. Everybody knows I lie. Nobody believes me. Yeah. And he's like, I believed you. She's like, what is wrong with you? Rachel loses it on Simon. But in the meantime, Georgia's calling Lily, the mother. Georgia's calling Lily like, hey, we need to talk. Yeah, she's calling her because Lily is with the stepdad who Mm -hmm. apparently molested Rachel. When Georgia finally gets a hold of Rachel's mom and tells her... Lily confronts the stepdad. He obviously denies it. Mm -hmm. And then Lily books it to Idaho to, I guess, confront her daughter about this, quote, lie. Yeah, because at this point, the mom is like, no, this is a lie, which is really heartbreaking. But it's really heartbreaking. But I don't think it's unbelievable to think that a mother who has this very troubled daughter who is known for Mm -hmm. lying... I don't think it's unbelievable. Her first reaction would be like, oh, she's lying because that's what she does. Especially when, like you said, she does have a history of lying. Right. And that's kind of what the stepdad uses as a defense with, why would you believe her? She's constantly lying. She lied when she told you she wasn't doing drugs. She lied to you about getting into college. Like We, as the viewer, don't know if Rachel's telling the truth or not. Not at this point. When Rachel gets home that evening, mom's like, tell me that you lied. I asked him. He denied it. Tell me that you lied. Mm -hmm. Rachel storms away. Mom follows her. And then Rachel basically says, fine, I lied. Are you happy? Then she starts kind of going into details of the abuse and saying, like, that's all a lie. But in the details, it's very shocking, you know, like she kind of describes the abuse while she's saying like, oh, yeah, that's a lie and that's a lie. And so obviously the mom is kind of uh-huh. she's being hit by an emotional semi truck at this point. Like, I guess the abuse went on for about two years It stopped when one of Rachel's friends threatened to kill the stepdad if he continued. And when Rachel's mother is finally ready to kind of hear about it the next day, Rachel tells her, like, when I was 16, he bought me the Mustang if I would continue with what he wanted, if I would continue to let it happen. So I crashed the Mustang. And so from the mother's perspective, she would just see that her daughter crashed this new car that her stepdad got her. And You know, I think I believed it from the very beginning that she was molested by her stepfather because there were a lot of red signs in Rachel's behavior. The hypersexuality. Yes. Rachel displays a lot of hypersexuality, which is very common in young people that have been molested. The two most common things to present after things like this is either a complete withdrawal from sexuality altogether mm-hmm. or a hypersexuality. Yeah. More often than not, it's a hypersexuality because the the self-esteem sort of goes down. And so you feel as though you're only good mm-hmm. for being sexualized. 
And you could see that Rachel uses her sexuality as a tool to kind of Mm -hmm. um, to test people, to control people. She leaves her grandmother's house and she goes and stays with her boss, Simon. Grandma actually suggested because Willie, mom, she is a total mess. She's went back to drinking. I think grandma's trying to grandma believes Rachel and she's trying to protect Rachel from feeling guilty. Mm hmm. And so she sends Rachel to go stay with Simon so she doesn't have to see her mother go down that sort of path. Right. And so here's Simon having to have this hypersexual teenage girl stay in his place. And she's doing things that are so uncomfortable to watch. Like, for example, Rachel finds Simon's dead wife's perfume under the sink and puts it on and then sits next to him. She tries to like cozy up to him and he just gets up and leaves. And, you know, she's so obviously coming on to him. But Mm -hmm. we kind of learn later that like she's using she's testing that like she's testing him to see if he's going to give in. Because in her mind, men can't be trusted. Right. So in a way, it's like, how can she trust that a man is not going to exploit her unless she tempts them and sees how they react? It's wild. Yeah, so mom is spiraling. Um, She was apparently an alcoholic and she started drinking again and it's Mm -hmm. really, really ugly. Stepdad, who is, you know, the dirtbag that uh, Rachel saying molested her, he's apparently really rich. He's some sort of criminal attorney. Mm -hmm. And um, Rachel's mom is having this crisis where she's like, oh my God, I'm going to have to leave him and I have nothing. Like, I'm going to have to come back here to this town I hate and live with my mom, who I also hate. And she signed a prenup, so she's getting nothing. Mm -hmm. Mom's having a real crisis because, you know, she believes her daughter, but also she doesn't want to be that failure that has to go back and live with her mom at, what, 30, 40 something? Yeah. Mom believes Rachel, But she really, really wants Rachel to be lying. Yeah, right, right. Stepdad shows up at grandma's house. Mm -hmm. Stepdad shows up at grandma's house in like a Ferrari. Stepdad's like, listen, like she needs help. He is insisting that Rachel's lying and that she's troubled and that he never did anything like this. Oh, well, he's he's an attorney. So, of course, he's convincing. Mm -hmm. He's a very highly paid attorney. Mm hmm. So mom had had asked him for a divorce and then she changed her mind and then she went back to divorce Mm -hmm. and grandma beat him with a bat when he showed up. (laughs) Yeah. Grandma was not playing around. She's like, I will kill you. Yeah. Mom shows up really drunk one night to Simon's house where Rachel is. I thought it was kind of fucked up and I get it. The mom was drunk, so she wasn't making her best decisions, but I thought it was fucked up that the mom goes to her daughter, who the grandmother sent away for a reason. Mm-hmm. Grandmother sent Rachel away to not have to face the spiraling mother. And now mom goes to see her daughter and she is basically asking for help to process this traumatic event that happened to her daughter. Mm-hmm. And it's so unfair. Like, you don't have anyone else to unpack this with? Like, I don't know, a therapist? Like, come Your on. Your mother who's there yeah. willing to help you? Jesus Christ. Right. The mom says... It's easier to believe what you need versus what you know. And so Uh it's almost like in a way she's telling, not in a way, she's telling Rachel, I need to believe you're lying. Rachel tells her mother 
that she lied, that she lied about the sexual assaults, that it never happened, that she was mad at her mom and her stepdad for sending her away for the summer Mm -hmm. and she wanted to hurt them and that she lied. Yeah. Rachel even says that that she will apologize Mm -hmm. to stepdad. At this point as the viewer, I thought like, oh, wow, so she is lying. Like, it's just so hard to Mm -hmm. read a character like Rachel because it could go both ways. Like, she really could be making it up, Mm -hmm. but you don't want to think that. But then you can only go by what she's saying. Yeah, well, we get our answer Mm -hmm. because Rachel goes to stepdad's motel room. Mm -hmm. He offers to pay for her therapy, and then he says that he'll give her the Ferrari that he just bought. First, he gaslights her. By saying, like, you need help. And then he bribes her by saying, I'm going to leave you my car for telling the truth. Yeah. And then she's like, listen, she's like, my mother apparently needs to believe that you're a good guy. But if she ever realizes that you're a piece of shit, Mm -hmm. you're going to give her $10 million Mm -hmm. and go away quietly. There'll be no press, nothing. She's like, otherwise, you know, the friend who put a gun to your head, if you ever touch me again, she goes, he has a video of us. Right. And there will be press. Rachel's telling him like, oh, hey, by the way, I also have collateral, which side note, she could be bluffing. And I think- I think she is. I think she probably is bluffing, but he can't risk it, right? Because he is a criminal defense attorney and he probably knows like, hey, if she's got me on candid camera, this is no good for me. Essentially, Rachel is sacrificing her, which is terrible. No one should ever feel like they have to do this. But she feels like she needs to sacrifice the truth and her own relationship with her mom Mm -hmm. to allow her mom to, quote, be happy. Your mom is never going to be happy with a guy like this. Do you know what I mean? Like the truth floats and it will it will come up eventually. Yes. It's a turd. (laughs) The truth is a turd. It is. Rachel's mom has a much easier time believing that Rachel's lying. Mm -hmm. And she's already packing her shit the next day. Mom is getting ready to go back home. You know, she wants to heal from this terrible lie that Mm -hmm. her daughter said. And she wants to go back with her husband in her life. Um, Meanwhile, Rachel, after confronting her stepdad, she goes back to Simon's house where she's staying. And she gets in Simon's bed And she tries Uh to seduce him again. Simon immediately is like, stop. No, he gets out of bed. He's like, Rachel, like, this is super inappropriate. He and then he says that he hates that her stepdad ruined platonic relationships with men for her. He says something really powerful. He says, because of what happened to you, you don't know the difference between right or wrong. And if you don't know the reason between right or wrong, you can't trust anyone. And if you can't trust anyone, you can't love. And I thought it was interesting because I never thought about how that really fucks up like your moral compass, where it's Mm -hmm. like the only way that Rachel can know what's right and what's wrong is through temptation. Like, is Simon a good person? Well, let's see. Will he have sex with me? That's her only way of testing people. I think that Rachel is starting to love Simon, but I I think that Rachel can't tell the difference between different types of love. I feel like Rachel can't tell the difference between romantic love and platonic love. I feel like Simon's filling the father figure void for her. Mm -hmm. And I do think that she she's starting to care about him, but it's in like 
a paternal way, not, you know, a romantic way, but she doesn't know the difference. Right. And so she's starting to feel like she's loved. And so she's Mm -hmm. like, oh, this is how I show love. Oh, that's so terrible. That's terrible. Yeah. Do you know, too, like the wounds of adolescence and even childhood, like they don't just heal with time. You have Mm -hmm. to work to heal them. You have to work through these things. Otherwise, it's going to haunt you your whole life. And sometimes in very insidious ways that you might not even realize they're connected. No, exactly. If you don't deal with it, it'll deal with you. Right, 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 right. That's so true. So mom is leaving with stepdad. She's going back home. They're leaving Uh together in her car. And as they're driving down the road, she's telling stepdad, like, I don't understand why you're why we we couldn't just drive different cars. Like now your car is going to be left here. That's so Uh strange. Like you're going to have to send someone to get it. Stepdad says, I don't know. I might just, you know, leave it there. And mom's really confused. She's like, what? And he's like, yeah, he's like, "Um, I, I left it for Rachel. Yeah. He says, I might just leave it for Rachel. And you could see on mom's face that there is a realization dawning that he is Uh leaving the Ferrari as payment for Rachel lying for him again. Mom realizes it and she's like, no, 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 no. Mom tells him to pull over the car and she Mm -hmm. starts screaming at him. Yeah, she starts screaming. She demands to get out of the car. Stepdad is is trying to get her back in the car and she's refusing. So stepdad turns into an asshole and he starts dumping all her luggage out of the car. Yeah, and he's like, here's your whole life. He's like, you can go back to Idaho. And then he says, she seduced me. Which really sets the mom off because it's a confession. He's just confessed. Yeah. Children cannot seduce adults, okay? Maybe, maybe, I'm just saying, maybe you shouldn't have been a fucking pervert. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's very disturbing. But I mean, the truth has floated to the top, just as we knew it would. Well, we talked about this before, um, gladiator fights. Bring them back (laughs) with the pedophiles, okay? Yes, oh my God. But no, don't say the rest of it, Courtney. Don't say it. I'm not not gonna say the rest of it, but... um, (laughs) Bring back gladiator fights for pedophiles, okay? Yeah. I would pay to go see that. Right. There's no cure for pedophilia. There there just isn't. No amount of jail time is going to cure you. And you can't just go to a bar and pick up a kid. You're going to have to do it in a very shady fucking way. So there is um, states, I think it's like Alabama or Georgia or something, that um, pedophiles that get released or whatever, they have to undergo chemical castration. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, this is terrible. The mom just runs up to the stepdad and starts trying to hit him. Obviously, he's much bigger than her, so he very easily pushes her away. And then he Mm -hmm. just leaves her on the side of the road. Luckily for mom, though, grandma, Rachel, and Simon are all on their way. They're trying to catch up with her. Right. They were trying to catch up to the car and they end up finding mom on the side of the road with all her luggage. Mm-hmm. And I guess this is supposed to signify like the new beginning of these three women kind of healing from from the trauma because yeah. you could see how the trauma trickled down. Grandmother is a very cold, stoic woman who never said I love you to her daughter, who then developed bad coping skills, became an alcoholic, obviously attracted to toxic men, Mm -hmm. married this pedophile 
who then molested her daughter, who then didn't have the coping skills to be like, hey, mom, I'm being molested. Because it's just, it all trickled down. Like all of this dysfunction trickled down. Mm -hmm. Well, mom and daughter have a very touching reunion. They hug, camera pans out, the Mm -hmm. movie is over. This movie has a lot of very uncomfortable undertones that are hidden in this very quirky, fast dialogue and Mm one-liners. And I think that's the reason why it has one star on Rotten Tomatoes. Did you know that? I did not. I did not look at it. Yeah. And the way it was actually advertised, because I remember like all of the trailers were just making it seem like Rachel was just a sassy girl that was causing Uh a ruckus in the small southern town or wait, Idaho is not in the south, right? Midwestern town. Where the fuck is Idaho? Hold on. (laughs) (laughs) Idaho, where are you? Okay, no, it's over. It's on the West Coast. Oh, okay. It's right by Washington State. Oh. So it's sandwiched between Washington, Oregon, Nevada, Utah, Wyoming, and Montana. So it's like, it touches Canada. Um, I think my husband spread his stepfather's ashes in Idaho. I thought that sentence was going in a different direction. (laughs) And I'm like, (laughs) I paused too much. I paused a little too much during that statement. I think my husband spread his and I'm just like, whoa, listen, (laughs) I thought the GI Bill paid for college. I guess I was wrong. I have to gather my thoughts before I I start a sentence (laughs) that includes the word spreading in it. You know what I mean? Like spread his, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't let him know that I said that, though. He's going to be like, you can't talk to Courtney anymore. I will 100% just send him this clip. (laughs) (laughs) My husband spread his and then just go into the laughter. Yeah, the, uh, the teapot is... I guess empty for the day, but it feels like it's still full. Like, it's just not a very satisfying ending, but, you know. It's not. But don't worry. More is brewing it on the way. (laughs) We'll be back next week with a better episode. We'll see you next time. Bye.